All right, we are going to read Romans 15, 1 to 13 together. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel for Jews and Gentiles alike. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Addy. Nice. So yeah, we're starting a new series um, around the book of Romans uh, called Christ Formed Community. And so we're going to do a little bit differently. We're going to go through the book of Romans, but do it backwards. And so trying to get understand some of the context. Often when people do series in Romans, they get into you know the first eight chapters, maybe get to the twelfth chapter, and they often miss the last few chapters because you know there's a lot of there's yeah, just kind of Paul addressing people and saying hello to people. Uh, and uh, But there is some key information that, that is talked about there in, in the latter uh, few chapters, you know, in chapters 14 to 16, uh, that helps actually understand some of the context of what's going on and why Paul is writing this letter. And so we're going to go through this and take a look at uh, what is going on as Paul is addressing here this, this church in Rome uh, and uh, explore also how um, Paul is actually wanting to build community and his heart is not just, often we can read the book of Romans and see the in-depth theological ideas and get caught up in the doctrines of the book and the letter, but it, it, Paul is addressing a particular group of people and a particular community who had all these different ideas and, and uh, in, interests and, and so he's interested in forming community and forming something of Christ in that community. And so we're going to go through that and try and understand that together. It'd be great. So um, uh, when, when Michaela and I, my wife, uh, first started going out, uh, we would talk to each other, as you do, as sharing your life with each other. And um, Michaela is is like a feeler. She loves to, you know, she feels things. She gets, you know, loves to go through her emotions and feel things. And I'm more of a thinker. And so I get to the practical, 
thinking through things. And so Michaela shares stuff with me, particularly early on, and, and I went straight to try and solving the issue. I went straight to let's fix this, let's sort this out, let's order things, get things right, and let's move on ahead. Unfortunately, that didn't quite work for me. It didn't quite happen the way that I thought. And I realized pretty quickly that that way of approaching it wasn't going to be helpful for Michaela or I, in fact, and or for our relationship. This was not going to work. And so I had to learn how to actually listen and how sometimes when she was sharing things, she didn't actually need me to respond respond. She didn't need me to figure it all out. She didn't need me to fix the solutions, fix something for her, but she just wanted me to listen and to support her in that and encourage her in that. And so uh, I, I can tell from the room, from the nodding heads and the smiles, some people have experienced that themselves, <laughs> of how we, you know, there's these different personalities mixing and trying to work out what it means to be in relationship. And this is the beauty of relationship. It's, it's the beauty and, and struggle of relationship that we're trying to be these two different people trying to come together to work out how to actually connect and, and work together in what we're doing. And, so when we're, we're thinking about community as a Christ-formed community, what we're thinking mostly about is not just how we can fix ourselves, how we can order ourselves as a community and go, this plan is A, B, C, then we're going to be a nice community. That's how we're going to do it, guys. No, what, it's, it's this nuanced working together, actually trying to listen to one another, listening to God, listening to how we actually can work together informing this community and allowing God to shape that as we make space to listen and be there for one another. So as we read Romans, uh, the Romans 1 it starts uh, with addressing the, that this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And so Paul hadn't uh, been to Rome before. He had longed to go to Rome, but it was next on his travelling ministry itinerary. And so he's writing this letter as he hears the good news of what's going on in the church there. Uh, but he's also wanting to address some key tensions that are going on. And now if we think about uh, the church in Rome, the church in Rome wasn't this, this big congregation meeting in some grand Roman hall, uh, all excited. But the church in Rome was more likely a, a group of about five or so house churches churches, the meeting in homes, in these Roman homes, and probably a max of maybe 20 people per house. And so we're, we're talking about maybe 100 people in this, uh, in the Church of Rome, uh, and uh, give and take, you know, the numbers. But this is kind of this, they're all meeting in their homes, and the home was a central place in, in those days and age. They, uh, that, that day, they would often actually do business from the home. Uh, they would do a lot of things, meeting together with different people. And so the home was this hub for those people in that day and age. And so, yeah, picture these, these smaller groups, these five or so uh, home churches of about 20 people kind of trying to figure out what it is to follow Jesus in the midst of what is a, a massively pagan city, a city that was, was all erected about kind of, you know, to glorify Rome and glorify Caesar and glorify what the Romans are doing. This, this is the hub, Rome, of the place where it is massively pagan. Uh, and so here are these Christians, you know, up to maybe 100 Christians, maybe a bit more uh, of, of 
people just trying to follow Jesus faithfully, trying to trust him and learn what that means. And so, yeah, that's, that's the picture of what we think of when we think of the Roman church. Now we turn to uh, Romans 16. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to kind of explore a bit of this context here around. Romans 16, verse 1 says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sancreia, so that you may welcome her in the Lord, as it, as is fitting for the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Now, Phoebe is this person here. This is a, a pagan name. It's not a Jewish follower of Christ, but it would have been a, a Gentile woman who had come to, to find Jesus and follows Jesus. And she has an important role in this letter. Paul here commends her. She was the one, who was, she was the letter carrier. She was the one to bring these churches uh, this letter. And this is an important thing because letters were expensive. They weren't just kind of easy to write like they are today, but they were really an expensive task. And so this is an important thing for Phoebe to be able to carry this letter. She had a prominence about her. And then some scholars also believe that uh, the carrier was also most likely the person who was tasked to read the letter. And so it's, it's most likely also that she was tasked to actually go to these churches and read aloud Paul's words here to these people. And so this is an important thing to grasp. This Phoebe, this Gentile woman, is called to be the, the face and voice for Paul in the midst of these churches and, and people who many of them may, may have not even met Paul. And so this is someone that, you know, in that day and age, it, w- it would have been considered, it, it's, it's a bit strange you, you're sending this woman, but this is how Paul is, is calling and saying, yes, this is who I want to send this letter. And so we read there that she was a sister. She was an intimate follower of Christ, and she was also a deacon, which is in the Greek it also means a servant. Uh, but this, you know, it, the way that it's been written and, and where it has been put, it's most likely that she had some sort of ministry role within the Church of Sancreia, uh, and and so she had some importance and significance, and uh, was sent to actually uh, on a mission to to give this letter and to set up and do some work there in Rome as well. And so um, here we have. Paul sending this Gentile woman uh, to be the face and voice of this letter. And it continues, chapter 16, continues with a number of more greetings, uh, 24 other Christians that Paul is greeting there in Rome. And so there, though Paul had never been to Rome, he sure had a deep connection with the people there. And that's you know, perhaps why he longed to be there. And as you read through, we're not going to read through the greetings, but you can read through those greetings. Uh, it's almost like there's, it's like a speech at a wedding. There's the, you know, you don't want to miss anyone out. And this is the importance of kind of identifying the people that he knew. And um, just like that speech at a wedding, there's this, this sense that there's this deep love and appreciation for these people, this deep adoration for these people. And from the outset, from this this chapter, we see that there's community here already. Even though Paul had not been there, he'd not planted this church in Rome, there was this sense of community and love that was already there in the midst of all that was going on. 
the centre of what is happening. And so uh, that this is the context of what this letter is, is kind of addressing and is, is uh, the background of, is realising there's community here that Paul is, is, is speaking into and he feels this connection with. And so as we turn to even just the, the, we turn to the scripture of uh, today as we've read that beautiful scripture here, we're going to kind of yeah, touch on a few things that are going on here in this letter. I'm going to read a bit more from verse 5 to 6, and this is from a different translation from the New Testament for Everyone, which is written by a scholar, N.T. Wright. And so I'm just going to read from verse 5 and 6 and 13 again. It says, May the God of patience and encouragement grant you to come to a common mind among yourselves in accordance with the Messiah Jesus, so that with one mind and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there's an important theme of peace and hope at the heart of what uh, Paul's message here is in the book of Romans. And so peace uh, was important for him and not only for, for his message, but it was important for the city of Rome. Peace was an important message. And in that uh, day, uh, there was a saying called Pax Romana, which is Roman peace, and that the Roman people would, would fight and, and conquer in the name of peace, that they were saying that they were bringing peace through military might and conquest, through victory, through their battles, that they would bring peace. And so there was this message of peace from the Roman Empire, a message that meant that you would belittle and destroy any other smaller things and, and through power and might overcome and bring peace. But as we know, the, the Christian version of peace is the total opposite of that. Christ's way of seeing peace is through sacrifice, through dying, through giving up your life. And so we have these two competing narratives of what peace should look like. Should we attain peace through power and overcoming and belittling? Or should we attain peace through sacrifice and through love and through how we treat one another? And so these two competing narratives of peace are at the heart of how we see what's going on. And in, in a sense, we're also what we're trying to address is uh, there is um, peace in the empire, and how are we going to explore and see what, what kind of peace are we going to live by? And so this is an issue back in those days, but it's also an issue of today, of how we actually seek out peace for our lives and peace for those around us. Will we bring peace through uh, our own means? And, and you know, today, day and age, we're, we're not trying to necessarily have power and uh, belittle people by our military might, but there is even just an individualism and a, a building our own kingdom where we're seeking our own things over others. And we will do whatever it takes to seek our thing over others, whether that means that we step on others or make others uh, disadvantaged to what you know to, to us actually attaining what we want. 
And so it's important to realize that this privilege and power is, is in, our, in our world today, not just something because we yeah, don't live, live in that day and age. Scott McKnight, uh, he says this. He says, the issue at hand is, is the inability of the privileged and the powerful to embody the gospel's inclusive demand and include the disprivileged and the disempowered. It's the inability of the privileged and power to embody the gospel's inclusive demand and include the disprivileged and disempowered. And so when we think about even where we stand in the, that line of the privileged and powerful, many of us are, are in such a blessed situation that we have so much privilege and power. Many of us uh, have an experience of, of being able to do things that others are in this world do not have. And so we have a gift, even as followers of Christ, in being privileged and empowered through Christ. And our call is to actually notice and, and, and uh, embody the, the inclusive demand of lifting those who are disprivileged and disempowered, to lift them up and actually experience, let them experience the, the peace and rest and grace of God and the love of God through our lives. And so that, that's at the, at the heart of what's going on in this letter, this battle, this narrative of, of peace and power and how are we going to attain this as the church of Rome? How are we going to address this? Are we going to be like those of, of Rome and do it by kind of belittling others or are we going to actually lift up others around us? And that's the call for us today. Are we actually going to, to see those who are in need, see even how we can see the disprivileged and disempowered and lift them up? And so often we as Western Christians can get comfortable just kind of doing our thing, seeking our own uh, agenda, seeking our kingdom, our empire. We're trying to build our thing and not actually notice those who may need help and those who we can actually lift up. I know I've been challenged by that. I know we all can you know, be challenged by that kind of way of living. Now, the good thing is, the scripture, it says this, uh, it says, may the God of patience and encouragement grant you to come to a common mind among yourselves. And this is absolutely what we need. We need God's patience and encouragement because we're a bit slow sometimes. We're still working it out. We're still figuring it out. We need his patience. We're just so thankful for his patience and encouragement as he continues to build us as a people who see those in need and lift up, even within our community, that we would see individuals in need and lift each other up, that we would actually take the time and effort to do that. And that's the thing with community. It, does, it just takes time and effort to build that as, as it was with uh, Michaela, my wife, it, you know, it wasn't just happened overnight that we had this amazing relationship. It took time and effort to get to know each other and actually be vulnerable with one another and actually bear ourselves and, and realize that we don't have it all together and work together in that effort. And so it is as we build ourselves as a community of followers of Christ, we actually need to take time and effort to actually get into each other's lives and to lift each other up. And uh, yeah, I'm so thankful for God's patience. <laughs> I'm so th thankful that he is patient with us because it does take a while. <laughs> I mean, you know, it takes time to get into my head. 
Uh, I've seen it firsthand and I know many of us have experienced that. We're so thankful for God's patience and that he continues to encourage us in this. And so the question is, how do we, how do we become a Christ-formed community who pursue the gospel's inclusive, loving message for those who are disprivileged and disempowered? How do we become that community? Because I know for me, the gospel has truly changed me and it includes me into. I'm so amazed at God's grace. I'm so amazed at God's love that he would include me and love me and welcomes me in. And what he continues to call me to do is to do that for others. And I'm constantly challenged by that, how I can keep reaching out, how I can keep seeing that in us as a community, but also abroad in our community around us. So maybe that's a good question for our dinner church next week to actually keep thinking about how do we do this? This can't be just something that's a good thought. Yes, we want to be people who seek out those who are disprivileged and disempowered and, and lift them up. Yes, let's do that. But then no action happens. We actually want to do, be people who act in the way that God is calling us. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's a tension that's going on here in the church in Rome as they're trying to work out this peace thing and as they're trying to figure out how they can lift up and build one another up into a community. There's a, there's a tension that's going on and you'll notice as you read through this letter, uh, and we're going to quickly look at this in, in Romans 15 verse 1 in that scripture. Uh, there uh, it says, We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak. Here is kind of two terms, the strong and the weak. Uh, this, these terms in the Greek uh, is dunatoi uh, and adunatoi. Is, that's, the, that's the two Greek words. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a bit hard for us to, because we go strong and weak, they're two different words. But in the Greek, they're actually the same word, but kind of juxtaposed in the opposite. Uh, in the CEB translation, I like this translation, it's, it's the powered and the unpowered. It's actually those who are powered uh, ought to up, uh, put up with the failings of the unpowered. And these terms are not necessarily a terms of saying uh, these are the, the good Christians and these are the bad Christians. These are the right Christians and these are, you know, the, the not right Christians, the failing Christians. It's the strong and the weak, the powered and the unpowered. Here Paul is trying to get uh, something going on. There's, there's tension with, within this community that's at hand. There are some who are strong and there are some who are weak. So who are these people? What are, what, how do we define them? Uh, in Romans 14, verse 1, it says, Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarrelling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. So here we have even some defining factor. Sorry, Bella. <laughs> Bella just chuckled at me because she's a vegan. So <laughs> uh, this is not about, you know, your, your, yeah, what you're eating today. <laughs> uh, so this is addressing some food laws. Here we have a defining factor here. Uh, the weak here for... Um, uh, 
for Paul is is those who eat vegetables, who those who are restricted to some sort of food laws, a food way of thinking. And so within the Jewish tradition, uh, they were very serious about food. They had uh, some serious food laws, and if you followed the food laws, it meant that you actually uh, achieved a, a holiness and a righteousness. If you followed and obeyed these laws, you actually became holy because of that. And so what Paul here is addressing is not, it's not about what you eat. It's actually about that holiness factor that we place on those things. He's seeing that the rituals and, the, and what we do, the practices, the ethnic practices that this, these Jewish people followed, they thought that if they followed these practices, they would become holy. But Paul is saying that, no, no, through Christ, we no longer need to, these ethnic practices or these rituals to lead us to holiness, but all are made holy through the work of Christ's sacrifice. There's nothing else that can attain us and make us holy. It's only what Christ has done that can make us holy. And so what he here is trying to say is that the strong are those who follow Christ without needing any other ethnic or, or ritual practices to feel holy, but simply by following Christ. This is what he's trying to say. This is what the strong and the weak are, those who are not reliant on anything else but just following Christ. And today we have our own religious markers. We, we may not have food laws that uh, you know, are questionable. We have our own religious markers in the church. Some people can only read the King James to experience the Scripture. And they can't do it any other way. Some people can only have a certain style of, uh, of a service to experience God. Some people can only pray by pacing the room and speaking with a very loud voice, rubber shundying. Some people can only pray using the common book of prayer. Now, none of these things are bad, but when they become the very marker, if I do this, then I will become holy. If I read the King James Version, then I'm a more holy Christian. If I read, go through the prayer this way, then I'm a more holy person. That's the action that Paul is addressing. He's not addressing the actual things. That's not what's bad. It's, it, it's when we think we can do something to achieve holiness. When we actually then realize that it's actually Christ who makes us holy, not those things. And so Paul is trying to address those markers, those, those rituals and practices that we place in our worlds that, to make us think that we can achieve holiness by our efforts. This is what he says is the powered or the strong, those who, who don't need to rely upon some sort of ritual to make them holy, but those who are simply submitted to Christ and are surrendered to him and realize that it's in, our in, in Christ's sacrifice that we are made holy. Those who can live in that way of life, those are those who are powered or strong. This is an important thing to see. Now, the main point of these stories is, is not to, to question, am I a strong or a weak or am I the powered or unpowered? The main thing that, that Paul is, can, keeps, keeps coming back to, he says, what really matters is each of us must please our neighbour for the good purpose of building up one another. And he beautifully summarises what he's, he's making the point of in, in uh, Romans 14, verse 17. He says, God's kingdom, you see, isn't about food and drink, but about justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
anyone who serves the Messiah like this pleases God's and pleases God and deserves respect from other people. So then, let's find and follow the way of peace and discover how to build each other up. So the pursuit is, is not about questioning whether you're strong or weak, but the pursuit is always that we're just building each other up. This is not another method to then judge others and just think that you're better than others. This is just, again, highlighting the fact that we're called to build each other up. And so whether we have felt like we've, we've relied upon some sort of practice to make us feel holy or whether not, we, our, our pursuit is always to come back to and realise that we're called to build each other up and actually see the, the beautiful in each of us and lift each other up. And yes, uh, God continues to want to lead us from having to rely upon some practice to, to feel holy. Yes, there's something that in each of us that God's trying to work in us. But no matter what, we're called to build each other up and actually not come from a place of judgment, but continue to come to a place of love and grace for others and not, yeah, judgment. Now, in the last um, semester, we've been going through a, a book uh, in, in some of our kind of small groups uh, called Convergence, and it's based on uh, the, this idea that uh, you, you think about your spiritual disciplines, those acts that we do, and your spiritual gifts, and how the Spirit has gifted us, and actually bring them together in convergence to actually build us as disciples. And it's yeah, been a really uh, helpful experiment uh, experience of kind of going through that together in smaller groups and, and thinking about how uh, particularly our spiritual gifts are really uh, called to build each other up as we grow together. And uh, a few weeks ago, we uh, kind of finished the, the time reading this book and we gathered in uh, one Saturday morning to, to nut out together, how can we grow in our spiritual gifts together? And we all have these different gifts and we want to encourage each other and actually support each other in what we're doing as a church and uh, we all can play a part in building us as a body. So we gathered on a Saturday and, and tried to work out and um, plan together what that looks like, and it was really great. And it's, it's a good starting place from actually, you know, we want to do more of that and actually establish that, more of that in our church of how we can help and work together uh, within our spiritual gifts. But one of the thoughts that came from uh, that time as we were uh, brainstorming and thinking about what does this all look like, uh, someone mentioned, and it stuck out to me, um, is it's kind of like uh, Captain Planet and the Planeteers. And uh, if, if those who aren't familiar with the TV show from the 90s of the Captain Planet show, uh, is a beautiful show that I grew up on uh, of these these teenagers, these young kids, five of them who uh, each had this connection. I don't know how they got the connection with their elements. Uh, yeah, they had rings. They had these special rings. Uh, and each of them had like an element that connected with the planet. And so uh, there was earth, fire, wind, water, and heart. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, and the premise of the show is that when all these kids came and combined their rings, then uh, out came into existence Captain Planet was then created from this moment of them coming together. Captain Planet, and then he was out to kind of save the world uh, from disaster and calamity and, you know, save... Yeah, he was Captain Planet. He's our hero. 
Um, gonna take pollution down to zero. Yeah, that was the one. Come on. <laughs> what a guy. It was ahead of his time, I think, Captain Planet. Um, uh, and so uh, we were talking about this with our spiritual gifts and how uh, when we actually come together, when we actually can join together and, and realize that each of us have a different, unique aspect about how God has called us and we join together, then, then Christ actually is building something in us that we can't build for ourselves. Christ is actually doing something as we come together and we not are just doing our own individual pursuits and doing going after what we want for ourselves, but we're actually learning how to work together. And as, as we do that, Christ forms something that we can't do on our own. When we just think we can just do it on our own, actually coming together creates something that we can't do on our own. And so it's important to, to ask, what are those differences around us and in us that, that divide us? How are we actually kind of rubbed up the wrong way with, with other people in our community? How is God actually calling us to submit those things, those areas in our lives to actually work with one another and actually help build one another because it's as in the joining together that actually Christ builds something beautiful. And that's throughout Scripture, you see that happening. Throughout the Scripture, it's actually the coming together. God is constantly wanting to build community. From the very beginning, He was wanting to build community and He chose a family. He didn't chose an individual, just an individual, but He wanted them to be a family and then a nation. Constantly wanting to actually build a community of people working together to actually do something for Him. Now, there are plenty of reasons why we shouldn't build community. There's, you know, we're busy, there's lots of priorities going on in our lives, there's, it's, it's hard work to build community, and, and, and to be honest, sometimes it just makes me feel, makes you feel anxious, like it's, it's scary to actually build community, you actually have to get to know people, like what if you're socially awkward, and you don't have social skills to actually just have these conversations, there's all these things that can play into the mix to actually building community. And so we need to be aware of that. Yeah, that's, that's a play. There's lots of reasons why not to, but we need to see the significance of what it means to build community and why this is important because in Christ, as we join together, He wants to do something beautiful and build something great through us. And so it does take work. It does take effort. Now, one, one of the reasons for me is that when I can, you know, have conversations with people um, and I'm talking about my ideas, I talk about even my understandings and things that I'm thinking about, if someone questions that in me, it's like, I don't know if that's right, I can feel anxious. Like, I can feel like, ah, oh, like this person thinks I'm dumb, I think I'm silly. Like, if I am assumed to think something silly about me, I can feel anxious, and so, you know, it'd be easy just to not do that, to not expose myself to that, to not put myself out there, to, to not kind of talk or like share my, my thoughts or feelings because I just want to feel safe and I just want to keep that to myself. I don't want to feel that anxiety about like people honouring and respect because to be honest, you know, you put anything out there. Some people are going to agree, some people are not. That's just part of life. And so it'd be much easier just to keep it to myself. But... As I actually do that and expose that, yeah, it, it, there's an opportunity for anxiety to come into me, but there's also an opportunity for me to grow in that. And we learned this week, uh, we had um, 
uh, a guy called Steve Cuss come to our church in Hepburn Heights and do a workshop, and there was a few of us. Um, he has a, a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, uh, an amazing resource in actually learning how, what to, to work through at the anxieties in us. And he, he talked about how anxiety doesn't know what to do with true community. With true community that of people who are actually supporting and encouraging and there for one another, anxiety does not know what to do in that space. So that naming and taming the anxiety in us with others is significant in settling the anxiety in us. He was saying that if I don't actually, that anxiety in me about sharing something with others, if I don't have an opportunity to share that with someone and actually talk about it and say, hey, you know how um, I, I shared something and you were like, oh, that's dumb, Joel. Uh, that, that, that made me feel really anxious. If I don't have that, that opportunity and that, that space where I can share that, then nothing's going to happen to me. But as we're in community and we actually have a setting where we can name that anxiety in us and talk about it and, and actually bring that to light, that's where it starts to change in me. That's where actually things start to happen in us and we can actually uh, go on the journey of managing that and settling the anxiety in us. And so uh, I wanted to encourage us, uh, particularly you know those who come to our church and to St. Luke's, let's kind of do this. Let's be a part of building community together. And one way is maybe even thinking about who's someone, if Who's someone in our community that you can just catch up with, who you can hang out with? If you don't have someone that you, you catch up with in our community, then I encourage you, let's think about how we can actually make space to, to connect with people. And, uh, you know, maybe if you've never caught up with someone, just like see someone that maybe you have interests in and just say, let's, let's grab a coffee. Let's just catch up and let's just hang out and talk. And then maybe the first, you know, times you just getting to know each other, but eventually one, I would love us to kind of lead to a place where we can be vulnerable with people, where we can share our lives, share what's going on in us, and actually share the things that, that are deep in us, share the struggles in us, and even get it to a space where, you know, both of you can have a, a, a time, 20 minutes or so, where you're just sharing, unloading what's going on in your life, and the other person's just listening and supporting and being there to encourage you. I'd love for that to happen, for us to continue to learn and, and work through how to be vulnerable with one another in a healthy space, in a space where we can actually just connect and grow in that community. And so yeah, maybe that's for you. Maybe you, you, you don't feel like you connect with anybody. Just reach out to someone. Just ask to connect with them and to catch up. Uh, and then secondly, I'd love us just to, to go through this book of Romans in your time to read through it, to actually think about it. And as you read through it, think about how uh, Paul is wanting uh, to build community in this space. Think about the, you know, those strong and the weak. See where Paul is addressing those in different times. And, and think about um, how Paul is trying to combat those Rome's Pax Romana with Christ's version of peace. And so, yeah, let's get into this book of Romans and keep... Uh, wanting to build a community together, working out how God has called us to live. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and just ask the band to, to come and join me. That would be great. Thank you, Father, that you're with us. 
I just pray right now that uh, you would build by your spirit, by your strength, a community of people who are seeking you, seeking your heart, seeking the peace that you want to bring to this world. God, I pray that we would submit again to you and your call. That we would be led by your spirit leading us, not just by what we can achieve and do in our own way of thinking. God, Lord, where we've pursued our own things, where we've pursued our own career and not thought about others, God, I pray that you'd continue to help us, guide us in how we can see the disadvantaged, the disempowered, and to lift them up. How you call us to be there for one another, to help and build one another up. God, by your spirits, we need you. God, we're so thankful for your patience, for your encouragement, for your grace that continues to lead us and guides us. We want to be built by your spirit, by your love. We want to be formed into the way of following you. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Amen.